how to finish songs faster. What's up, Daw Nation? Welcome to this week's episode of In The Daw with Trivecta and Amity breaking down their song Riptide that was released on Monster Cat. In this episode, you're going to learn how to properly layer guitars and electronic music, why leaving room in your song for vocals is incredibly important, how to layer your super saws, how to reuse elements from your old songs, how to layer vocals in drops, the benefit of bouncing out your song into stems, bringing them into another project file, and continuing your creative process in that new session, and of course, how to finish songs faster. And before we get into it, this episode is sponsored by the AU5 and In The DAW Sound Design course called The School of Bass. If you want to learn more about that, we'll talk about it later on in this episode. But DAW Nation, let's get into this episode right now. started the initial composition of the beginning came from nolan's end before i touched it right yes got the vocal from roxanne rory i love the vocal like it's probably one of the best vocals that i've ever heard it just caught my attention so i started writing to it and i made the chord progression and then came up with that guitar lead and i'm not much of a guitar player so i figured that would be sam's forte to retouch that all up. So I just kind of put down the ideas and then sent it over to Sam and then kind of worked on it from there. Did you record the the guitar and then Sam redid it later? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so I just, I got my little, uh, my Gibson over here and I kind of just do like little rough, rough ideas. I know I'm not an amazing guitarist. I kind of just do what I can do. But yeah, I just recorded a little, um, a little piece just to kind of get an idea. And then I knew Sam would kill it on the guitar. So I think this is where where, what it ended up sounding like, the guitar. This is the chain. It's a little guitar rig on there. If you take that off. So I use guitar rig to kind of make that, you know, you get the amp sim and everything. Love this twang reverb sim. And then the guitar ended up coming like this. So then what I thought was kind of cool is you could take the guitar and then reverse each note, bounce out each note individually and reverse it back into it, which gives you this sound. And then you put them together. Anyway, and that becomes sort of how the idea. I think I ended up layering something on top of that to make it a little more. Yeah, yeah. because it's it's hard to mix guitars sometimes into electronic music. I added a little. And what is that? That's an Omnisphere patch. Ah, okay. And then also this boy, whatever this was. So he's, you see the auto pan's got him going around the sides there to make that sound a little nicer. And all that comes together and gives your guitar. You have uh, pads going too.
Where's the pads coming from? That is mostly silence. There might have been a little omnisphere. I have a um, like a secret weapon silence patch for pads. Oh. That sounds really nice when you mess with the cutoff. I think the really cool thing with the pads, the cool thing about it is just being um, being very subtle about it. You see the silent there, and then the cutoff is low. You know the whole time mm-hmm. it just comes up and back. A lot of times you hear guys who are doing like future based kind of sounds just go so hard with their pads, and it's like eh, eh. lay off that cutoff. You know we got Roxanne going there. She's doing this. Come on, and I feel like that really. Bro. Like, dude, that's everything. That the intro so well with just like the atmospherical pads and just the guitar and the like it mm. just oh, so good. Like it just captivates you almost immediately. Like it doesn't captivate you immediately. Like it's just so good. And did you guys put that there as an artistic decision, or was that just how the stems were? They were already there. That was how it was when I got it. So I, when you sent it to me, you must I'm, have had it there. Pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's how they were. This song has been in production for quite some time, so it was it was quite a bit ago. Just out of curiosity, how long is it taken for this to come out? September of last year, maybe at least, but definitely around a year. A little bass in the bottom, nothing too crazy. Not a full sub. That was that's pretty important, and not go too heavy on the sub mm-hmm. in the beginning in breakdowns. It a diminishes the effect of the drop, and b just feels like heavy and weight like too weighty, weighty and bulky. So it's just a nice little. And that's like, that's just an omnisphere patch. That's just a, I think, CS80 sign bass or something is the name of it. Yeah, that's it. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Verse. Then your vocal comes in, then you get your verse. Ooh, hit me, hit me hard. So you got this, right? You love me like a riptide. I don't know if I'll survive. As the darkness falls. That guitar part was initially Nolan and stayed as Nolan's guitar part. That one I definitely didn't replace. And I actually kind of kept some of it grouped together. Ooh, is it in here? This is straight from Nolan's computer right here. Ah. Just a full group right there. Nolan, I don't know if there's any, what, you, you got guitar and, a, and like, a, like a pluck going there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have a, yeah, you have I, a pluck I, layered I in? Like I kind of remade one of like uh, one of Dead Mouse's plucks. I just I don't know. It's just like a nice kind of like soft but percussive pluck that I just really like for verses. But then yeah, the the guitar in there just kind of kind of arcs it in a way. So like you have your verse, and then you have the drums come in, and then the guitar kind of kind of arcs it in a way to like slingshot you into the pre-chorus, the hook. Gives like, you a lot of movement. For me, I think that's super important to have like an arc over like the second part of the verse, or kind of like a pre-chorus or whatever into a hook because it really just like pushes you and pushes that momentum into that hook that just like kind of creates a little bit of tension but slingshots you right into it i see so you're using it as as, as like a like a tension building transitional element mm-hmm. love it uh pads get louder sloppily so your pads go from this guy comes in he's so he if i recall is a high pad not a high pad textural Oh, there's like a bad note in there, but you can't even really hear it. It's uh, that I think that may have actually been exhale. And if you notice the pads, so that starts to sort of grab the lo- uh, that's a little bit lower. It grabs the low mid sort of, and the pads you can tell from the from the midi here actually goes up an octave. Like the main pad hops up an octave. It's kind of interesting. So the bass switches to a nice fat actual sub bass. You actually get a proper sub bass when the vocal starts, which sort and and this lower um, pad with some jingles on top, but the voicings are a little lower come in, which allows the main 
wing pad to sort of float up top and create this nice little pocket for the vocal to sit in, which was kind of nice, I thought. The original guitar you can hear for a second. And that goes to the hook. Hook. So there's there's your hook. Matthew Steeper, you asked about the processing of the vocal, mm -hmm. and Matthew's a real good friend of Nolan's. He's a friend of mine, good friend of mine, but I think he's a lot closer with Nolan. You, that's your boy, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm signed with Matt and Kelly. Kelly is Halian. Um, yes. I think there's actually been three takes of the vocal on this song. There was an old one, and then the one I got, which was the second one, and then I produced around that. Well, we both produced around that one, and then Matthew said, "All right, hey, uh, Roxanne, Rory is coming into." She lives in, in, in England, right? And she was coming into LA and Matthew was like, hey, I'm going to record her. So Matthew is a brilliant, brilliant vocal editor. He's had his fingerprints all over all different things in the industry. I know I, I know a lot of, like when I did Break Me with Cara, um, a lot of her stuff then, I think Cara's producing a lot of her own vocals now. Yeah, but, um, is, yeah. but but Matthew, I know, had a big hand in that early on. He's, he's helped a lot of people get real good at editing vocals and he's produced such incredible vocals. And so he ended up recomping or re-recording and comping the vocal. And, um, and so I didn't honestly have to do much with the vocal at all after that. I mean, EQ things, you know, things to a little shimmer on top, a little, you know, a little bit of that and um, a little bit of limiting in certain places and compression to make things louder, like during the drops. Most of that is just from, from Matthew, just doing a really good job of, of, of comping all that. Cool. Um, yeah. There was one thing that I thought was so neat, how that Roxanne said, the way she says two, I drown to the sound of thunder. She says like two. And I think that was such, she has such these unique inflections in her voice. And when Matthew sent back the newer vocal, that was one thing that was missing. She was saying like two, like anybody else would do. And I said, dude, you gotta go back to the two, man. That was such a unique sound. And so he did a brilliant job of splicing that back together. You can hear it. Love waves are pulling me under, I drown to the sound of That's such a unique sound there. And, I, and he did such a good job. I mean, he took one vocal that was recorded in like uh, Europe and another one, like the two is just from like recorded thousands of miles away and just spliced right in perfectly, you know? So that's kind of neat. By and large, the vocal i mean you really just did i mean really basic basic stuff because matthew did such a good job right i see an rc48 on there and i've never actually seen an rc48 used as a reverb i've always seen it used for sound design well what's going on here i've never even thought to use it for sound design i just use what? it as a reverb just so you know if you ever want to use it for sound design for a really really cool sound design trick you go into the presets and you go to robot soup it'll be in the sound effects robot soup it's not going to sound good on her vocals but on basses this thing is insane <laughs> Dude, that's gnarly. I could see that being so sick on basses. Yeah, on basses, dude, you want to get that nice metallic feel to it. So it's cool that you're actually using it as a reverb because I've never used it as an actual reverb, even though it's what it is. Let's hear what it sounds like without the vocal. Ah, you'll notice this is another place where it's different than the final because you have this, these effects, that this effect wash. 
and like that's a pretty common thing we've all done that in, in like most of our songs mm-hmm. and um in the final i actually ended up taking that whole effects stem and just yanking it and i because i thought it was kind of neat it made it feel kind of surreal like you had all these sounds and suddenly it's all gone every song you hear goes on a breakdown i do it on almost all of them you know we all do and i thought it was kind of neat you'll hear in the final one that all just disappears like to simulate it it would be almost sort of like it's very clean compared to how this one sounds now which is still fine but i thought it made it sound really unique and tight and almost kind of surreal like something was there and now it wasn't you did a good thing sam Oh, what is that lead? That lead is beautiful. Yeah, I think it's probably like the Nexus, like delayed piano, double octaves, just like playing, mirroring each other. And that plug that was in there, was that the dead mouse plug that you were talking about? Yes, I believe so. It might be my, uh, also it could be my plug that I recreated after Seven Lions. Who knows? They all kind of sound very similar. So we got mute that, you can hear. pads and stuff there's this really nice guy sitting on top but he goes hard cut because drums and effects all come in right there and it that stuff can add up so if you can get away with chopping things to make it more clean if it's not jarring you know i try to you take those bad boys out there's something cool yeah yeah this guy starfield piano bells out of omnisphere And then this guy gets a little friend coming in. And then they get a bigger friend comes in and says, hey, you're listening to what I'm doing or to what my friends are doing. I'm going to go rep my friends and make them sound real loud by inserting myself into your life. And then what you got to do is you take that and you're going to get the drums to sort of syncopate with that to make sure people hear them even more. So you put them together. Then you start building. That's it. All that came from Omnisphere? Oh, uh, not the drums, but those oh, yeah. uh, little plucks did, yeah. That's amazing. Omnisphere yeah, is so Yeah, and then some good, good post-processing and stuff. You know, um, it would have been some OTT and stuff like that, you know? M- mid-side OTT? No, 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 no. Yeah, I feel like you're going to start telling me something about that, though. Oh, well. <laughs> so you've got also effects going on. Amazing. And what what are all those? Are they just samples? Are they check it out? Let's see what they all are. This is so this is when I made a remix for Mayan for Hearts and Silence. I ended up um just bouncing out my stems. I'll talk more about that more with the drop and stuff, but the idea of I love repurposing my own stems. When I finish a track, I'll take the sounds that I liked, um, that I think might be usable for something else, and I'll bounce them out. And then I'll have them, and then when I'm making a new song, I can pull a little something from before and repurpose it in there. Kills two birds with one stone. The first 
first bird being the laziness bird, right? So you no longer have to create a new sound for everything you want to do. But the bigger, more overarching effect is that you end up having a sound that is not only cohesive between releases, but you can also sort of watch the development of the sounds from release to release, which is kind of neat. You know, you catch a little sound that you heard and you hear it and then you hear it grow and then, you know. So so this ends up being the stem, the full effect. Right, and that just goes. And then cashmere. This guy, a little cashmere stem, you know? I should have made him more wide, but whatever. Uh, and then I think this is... I just made a little lead sound and... Uh, same thing, like Axis uh, repurposed stems. You know, you repurpose your sounds. Basically, all that's going on in the build, yeah? Nothing too crazy. Let's do it. Hit me. Hit me hard. Drums can't can't take all the credit. Drums came from my boy, Wooly. When we made Falling, I took the drums, because he did the drums, took the drums, kept the drums. So they're huge. Uh, pros, cons. Pros, they're huge. Perfectly mixed for big, banging, britum stuff. Con is that they're very in your face. They're very loud. They're not really bouncy. They're more crush. They just sort of crush. And they almost sort of need to, it's very challenging to mix around them for melodic things. It's easier to mix around those drums when you're making things that are more just aggressive, like bro steppy kind of sounds that are less melodic. Um, and you can just crank it up and get these clipping artifacts and it sounds pleasant. With melodic stuff, you have to be more careful with that. And also, you know, when you fill out the sound, the, the sort of stereo field, it's not usually just one sound. So it's hard to get everything all up in your face. You don't necessarily want to. And when the drums are all in your face, it's hard. You don't, yeah, it's the, it becomes a tough balance. You know, you can even think, if you think of like Island, I've never quite heard a kick with like that little whoop kind of in it. What is that? It, to be honest, it's not even that pleasant, but it like cuts through nicely and sounds great in the mix. I don't like it by itself. I don't. But when you put it in the mix, pff, it crushes. Then you get your drums, you get your entire drum boss. I can show you what that sounds like. Uh, you can hear the loop I uh, I used in Fractures. This guy. Oh, that little breakbeat thing. That thing. Yeah, he oh. makes a little appearance. Remember me? Here I am. Uh, <laughs> this one was tough. I, I think the final version. These are drums are tweaked even more. But actually, Jeff Montalvo, Seven Lions. When I um when I sent him this early on, he said to uh to pay attention to what's going on up top, like you know what um what the high frequency things are doing, and try to make sure they're all telling the same story, so to speak. And that was a big challenge with this one to make it now because the the one the first version I sent him for years had a pretty steady top loop going, and um so I ended up trying to tweak it so that. The, the, the hats and everything sort of go with the leads and everything. But it's tough because you don't want to do that too much. If you think of a band, the drums aren't mimicking the rhythm of the guitar. It's going to sound like crap. doesn't usually make people dance when you do that. So you got to be careful. And that's more like more repurposing my stems. Like this is my drum for the Hearts and Silence, the Mayan remix. So those are your drums. You got your sub bass and everything. What's real probably people are going to ask about is leads and saws. Leads were almost the end of me. I almost stopped producing over the leads in this. Be simple. Don't make too many layers and be be particular about your layers. Uh, three, four, five. This one I was trying so many and I kept trying. The initial layer was like this kind of thing. Wait. 
which is actually interesting. That's the same uh, uh, sound from the intro of Axis. Actually, I go to just take my word on it. It's the sound from the Axis intro, but it. it's not powerful enough. It doesn't really. So I started layering some new sounds. You got this guy, but then you also got like. But he's very aggressive. You don't want too much of him. So then you also got this rippy layer, which is sort of this formancy thing. And then you end up, what else ended up in there? This is this is the one guy. But he's down an octave. This is the basically the lead from I. You remember that song I Will Be There? Uh, the old Tiesto song. Right, that type of thing. There's another one. These are all, and the problem is you can tell they're too similar. I struggled with it a lot. I had to do some like aggressive EQing and I guess not too aggressive here, but I had to do a lot of like chopping because like here, I'll group it together. Yeah, there's more down here. You know, there's like, Little things on the sides. There's like this guy comes back. There's just so much going on. There. So are all of those playing the same notes? Not always. No. Um, some of them sort of run little counterpoint. Like at the very end, you can hear, if I saw the leads again, you can hear one of them. They sort of land and then a little... Different octaves besides that. You have like, you have the guys up top like this guy. He's like way up there, but this guy, for example, I needed a little extra support down in the yellow girth. So, so the saw process is kind of neat. When Nolan and I first started talking about the song, it was like, all right, man, this thing is so nice. I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. You don't want to mess it up, right? And you feel great when you get to go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning knowing you got this beautiful baby of a song. All right, go to bed at night knowing you may have messed up this beautiful baby of the song. So yeah, there's this little thought process that subconsciously goes on. If I don't touch it, I ain't going to mess it up. And I have the beautiful baby of a song and I can go to bed and wake up feeling good about it. Problem is you don't get music done that way. So you have to find a little happy medium. What I found is a good thing to do when you have a situation like that is you want to um, create a system where you can get things done quickly and get things out quickly. Because if you think about it, say you're eating a great piece of cake or a steak or something like that. Yeah, the first few bites are glorious. The more bites you take, not so glorious. Eventually you're sick of it. Anything is going to be like that. So the thinking is, if I'm like that with a song, we all know how that is with a song. You love the song. A million times later, you don't love the song. Every artist knows this, but listeners know this too. Um, but then the thinking is, all right, so if it's going to take me this long to make the song, and after this long, I'm going to hate it. Uh, wh who am I? How am I supposed to be the one to make the creative decisions along the way if I hate it? You got to trust somebody who loves it to make the decision. So what the thinking is, is if you can get the core idea down quickly and then take notes. I use my iPhone. I take my iPhone notepad and I'll write down everything as I go early on. Like, hey, this is great. Don't change this. This part's done. Or not this part's done that early usually, but more like, hey, the saws are great. Leave that and do something different here. You know, and or this still needs work. You try to get as many of the core ideas that um, that sort of will dictate what you do early on. You get them down, then you can work from there. So the first thing I did with this was, all right, saws, let's get the chords down. The other sort of unintended side effect is then you have a big audio thing of the chords that you can chop and have fun with rather than always, you know, tweaking. So I think it ended up... Yeah, that's it. There's a uh, side chaining going on. We can talk about the layers, but like the full chord thing I laid down early on was just basically...
it's, you know, it's my fracture has been based and I layer some other stuff that I did with it, but that one was like a success. And then I, so then I've sort of built around that as I, as I've gone. Anybody who's watched the In the Dolls with me has heard that thing a million times. Layer that a little bit. That's your base. Then your mid layers. I don't think I have the layers split anymore. But that's not even the meat and potatoes. Straight up, man. Like for big, fat, like saws, dude, that virtual riot patch. This will never be my only one. I always have to layer because it sounds a little campy by itself. Biggest saw stack. You ever use this? No, I've never heard of it. Huge. And it works great as a pluck too. This thing. And I'll, so I'll keep the MIDI for later. These all have their patches disabled. You know, there's nothing going on here, mm -hmm. but the MIDI is there, the different iterations so I can reuse it. Um, it sounds huge already. Yeah. And the cool thing about that, the cutoff is super smooth. And you can make it pluck less. That ends up being the big, I'll use that combined with my, my, my silent, my silent saw patch that I use. And then you layer them and then you, uh, then you add some white noise up top, call it a day. There's your saws. So then what's kind of neat is you take the saws and then you can mess with them. So early on, you get your ideas down. What else can you do? All right. Well, you take the saws and make crazy iteration. You're going to see what you can do to like, to make some crazy stuff. So I think I went in, so I start throwing all this stuff into the playlist here, into a little iTunes playlist. It's probably not the best for my computer, but I do it anyway. And, um, and I'll take like sounds from other songs that might have been cool, like even like Axis parts and hearts and silence parts, just stuff that I think I might want to use, you know, little things. But um, but then you start taking the saws and messing them up, and like, let's see what this was. That's basically the saws. LFO tool going crazy on there. That's just, or maybe it was auto pan. Yeah, it could have been auto pan. Yeah, you do that. You take. Uh, Amount up, shape, no, shapes it like that, phase, right? right? And then you do the rate, you put it to that. Boom, there's a sound. What's neat is if you throw a transient master on that, you can make it sound really sharp and pointy and plucky. Problem is transient masters tend to only catch that first transient and not the other ones as much. So what I ended up doing is taking that, bouncing that to audio and taking only the first one and then just copy pasting that all around. So instead of this, you got a super aggressive. I don't even think I ended up using it. You give yourself stuff to work with early on. You set yourself up to score. Then you throw a little. Like Sugar Bites Wow Filter. You throw a preset on that. More of that. I think what the cool thing is for like the viewers here, the cool part of the process like to gather from that is that you can take your sounds and then just repitch them into your chords that you have um, or just take those chords and try different synths and different sounds and see and just set yourself up with things that work. Like, here you go. I took the bass line for Axis and just pitched it to the same notes as Riptide. So I'd have that to pull from. <laughs> And it actually ends up, right? You see like what's going on there. And it, then you end up with like this and you can hear how it follows. And that's basically how, how it works. You'll probably ask, I think you mentioned something ahead of time about that. That little bass yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle of it, which I don't have a great answer for that. I made it. I'll make, I'll make bass wubs. I'm not great with serum. If you want like a good serum video of how to make sick bass wubs, watch company or one of those guys. I, but what I do is I watch those videos and I try to learn what I can. And then I have a lot of bad days trying to make bass wubs. But then on the good days, I'll save it to audio. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> so your bases all together are like. All those little growls in there, those little mini growls, those are all from your little sound design sessions that you've done, right? That's all it is. Yeah, that's that's really all it is. It's just taking sounds, making them, doing them separately on separate days. A lot of times I won't be making those sounds while I'm trying to make a song. Like, I'm not usually going to go, all right, I need a bass well for this part. Time to pull out serum and try to make a bass well. It's more the contrary. All have days where I'm like, all right, I'm going to make some bass wubs. And then when I'm making a track, I'm like, okay, I need a bass wub. Let me go into my little bank of bass wubs I've made. And then you pull them together. Vocals in the drop. This kind of thing is one of my favorite things to do is like take vocals and layer them in with your saws and your leads. And it makes things sound so much more like evocative. You know, sometimes you don't want to go overboard. You don't want to go overboard. But like... For context, here's what your drop sounds like. With just the vocal. It sounds so nice. It's such a nice... The thinking was like, if you could take that first sound up there right that sound you're gonna do some edit on that aren't you it's gonna take me going and it's gonna like flip the camera around i know what you do why especially that i said it you're gonna do something but yeah so but the thinking was if you could take that sound and mimic it with the vocal find where she's saying that that same note and we lucked out and roxanne had this really nice well sorry that's not what it sounded like at first it was like I distorted it and then pitched it up and it just sounds so nice. Makes it so much better, you know? I feel like that adds like a really nice, like natural movement to it too. Cause like synths can only add so much. Like once you have like vocals and whatnot, like actual human recordings, it adds so much more emotion and feeling to it. This literally goes back to the very first episode of Behind the Dog, who you were also the very first episode on Behind the Dog. Remember when we talked about that? When we talked about vocals and how like we as humans actually like attract to vocals, like on like a really deep philosophical, like a really, not philosophical, but like on a really deep. Like subconscious? Yeah, like physiological level. Like we're attracted to vocals because it means safety usually, right? I'm into it. Sign me up, coach. A lot of times I'll like go and I'll try to like, I'll even use the guitar to like play the melody line and then I'll play her melody line on the vocals so I know like where the notes go and try to think okay where do they line up and then if you can sort of create the melody with the vocal you know then then sort of layer that amongst the actual notes like you did here of the saws and synths it can really go a long way like Nolan was saying the last thing I probably want to touch on in the drop is this guy because this is a cool sound right that's just that's just you just take the saw you throw a little lfo tool on there because lfo tool he's the big boy he does so much right you're gonna make it so the rake can do whatever you want and then you're gonna do a little automation i looked at some i've skimmed through some of my other ones i've done so and i don't ever do anything where i'm making the sounds and your other guys that you have on here make the sounds so i figure i should do a little more of that they do, you know so right but you don't want to start that that's not it but you know you see that closer it's starting a little too strong closer right yep. and you don't want to pull it all the way down right 
and then what you do is you take this guy because he's he's going to be your the meat and potatoes of this effect is the auto filter you take this switch to one of that you can already hear right and then you automate him down there oh, it is right and then you can take it like i did with the other one you try to nudge it and warp it so it goes exactly on the grid you know it makes it makes it a little little tighter most of the end of the song is is pretty much it's not it's the same idea it's obviously not exact copy and paste in the verses but it's pretty much the same it's very similar and then in the second drop i i actually i actually it's interesting i saw a comment on reddit where somebody was saying hey i liked when when trivecta songs used to have like a, a first drop that was not the full climax and it would build and then you'd get a second drop that was the full climax and we actually even talked about this we had talked about doing this song that way I, i'd mentioned to nolan that i had another structure for it and stuff like that but i think for this one it sort of made sense to have um a structure that where some songs it makes sense to have a structure where the where the the drop is almost a hook within itself you know it's almost becomes like a chorus itself and it makes sense to do the same kind of thing twice because you want them to hear that twice it mm -hmm. stops being as much about producer and more about like hey this is the response to the chorus. Let's get it twice so it sticks with you. There is a cool little outro. That's more just, you know, same thing as before, pads. In a sense, it's like two giant waves around the vocal, like breath and warmth. My dog, that's that's cool. Was, I'm gonna open. I'm gonna open the um the final project. So now we're in here, and you're gonna show how you tightened up basically the mix, right? This bit, that's what we're doing here. Right. So what I do is I'll take the song when I've got it to where that last version was that you just heard that project I was going through, and I'll say, okay, this sounds good enough. This sounds close enough, and then I'll bounce it out. Uh, it still got up to 72 tracks here, but when I did it initially, it was probably a lot closer to like like probably 25 tracks I, that I just bounced out. So I group things into um, effects and remaining effects. But like all, all the effects I had into one, all the effects that you heard in that last track become grouped into one effect uh, uh, stem. And this is where you can see what I was talking about going into that chorus. Into the right, so before it was but I made it Right, so little things like that are a lot easier to do when you have everything as one stem. And it's easier to say, okay, this needs a little something. Okay, middle of the hook needs a little whale call. Cause we're underwater and we want to feel something. So, all right, instead of having like open atmosphere in the middle of a super busy project, no, you got a project that's doing much better on your CPU. Everything's easier to navigate, colored properly. Come on, easy, you put that in. Little things like that, right? Drums become, instead of everything we just saw, so these guys all down here, this is all stuff that I added. Look, even little cymatics, ah, I guess it's turned off. But like, this is the stuff that got added, but when I moved it, I only had it, I doubt, had it down to three drum stems, which is so much easier to work with than everything you saw in the last project, right? And I could take it, and you can see I got pretty aggressive, I got pretty aggressive about chopping it once I had it all like that, because now, Right? If you want to make things tight, it's easier to do that. Oh, this is going. Oh, I feel like this sound might be cooler. If all the drums reversed there, well, I can do that because it's one stem and then it's easy. 
You know what I'm saying? And so you can make more aggressive moves much more easily. Um, and you can make better broad stroke moves. So the leads, all the leads, all that I had to do to get those leads sounding good became one stem. And then I could like... And sometimes what I'll do is like... Once I have that, you can take that, consolidate it, and you can do little things like pull it down. Let's do that. Little things like that and get cool little layers. Like that's what I did a lot of in Shatterpoint, you know, to get like cool, you know, little things like that. And um, chop things up when you do it. Like especially the chords, the saws and stuff like that. That's when you can also be like, all right. The saws ended up getting filtered a lot to make room for the leads, but now we want a little more on the high stuff. A little stuff sitting on the... Hey, easy to do uh, when you got it all like that. Little things like this. Like, okay, now the whole vocal stem in the middle of the drop when she says... I'm cutting your well, you can throw a little glue compressor on there and you can see automate the dry wet so it comes up real loud just for there and all the vocals are going to do that really easily instead of having to automate a whole group or a bus. You can visually see it. You can chop it. You can say, I don't like that. You can say, oh, well, <laughs> maybe this might be cooler if this was reversed. Probably wouldn't because it's a staple moment of the song. But if you wanted to, you could. Not so good. But if I wanted to, I could because I have it all as audio. That sort of freedom allows you to make decisions much more, uh, I don't know, creatively. And you have fewer things holding you back. And it gets a lot more fun that way, I think. And then you can do, you know, better like mixing things. I can take all my chords and easily just do something on the group and not have to worry about it. And, you know, I would recommend doing that. It really goes a long way. Final question I have for both of you, which I sent over to you, which is since your guys' first episode of In The Daw, so we're talking two years ago, okay? What has been the most mind-blowing thing that you've learned production-wise that you've now incorporated into your productions? I save a lot of like my, my drum mini. So like I have my builds, so like I have my claps going like this my snare build and like maybe another percussion thing all saved into like a group and like the MIDI and all their effects onto like my user library. So when I'm ready for my build, I just drop it in and it's basically pretty much done. I'll kind of tend it to go with the song that I'm working on, but it saves what five minutes on a very simple task that I don't need to spend that five to 10 minutes doing. One of the more hard things to do is that I learned, and this was come actually coming from like Matt and Kelly, is learning to produce for vocals. Because as producers, we want to produce the track, but we don't have the vocals on it. So what we're doing is producing and already filling the spots that the vocal should be in. So we're creating so much movement and all this stuff going on in like one area, this big, tightly packed area with just like leads, arps and pianos and chords and basses all going into this one area. But we forget about the big space that vocals actually take up. Like you may have all these things, but you may only need just a simple piano and bass and that's it. But you kind of have to start getting a little bit more uh, um, creative if you're looking to have a vocal. It's just go more simple than complex because if you go more complex and then send it to a vocalist, they're going to have the hardest time to hell trying to write to that track because there's so much going on that they can't find a rhythm or a melody to stick to or whatnot. So that was one big thing that, that I found is trying to go simpler and not too complex, especially when looking for vocals in my track. That was really, really good advice. The two things I would say, one is um, I'm not your guy if it, if it comes to like, wow, I had this huge, like mind blowing production thing that 
change the way I work on a technical level. I mean, I do, but th- what's more important to me, the one, one is, um, finishing parts, you know, like finishing a song or finishing a part of a song. You know, I've just worked with producers who, um, have in collaborating with them, they'll be like, Hey, this part is, um, yeah, this part's done. Um, blah, blah, blah. What do we think about this part? And I'm like, wait, whoa, hang on. That's such an interesting thought process. This part is done. I'll tweak things until the song is finished. So to say like this song is, this part is finished and committing and saying it's done. I think it's really neat. I think it's a really, uh, it's a really efficient way. It's a, a, you know, it's a good sort of cycle of thinking to be able to get yourself into to say things are done and also to listen and take notes on what it needs to be done. Okay. I am listening away from my computer. It needs this to be different. It needs that to be different. It needs that to be different. And then it'll be done. And then you do those things and that part's done. The other thing I would say is, um, is finding your like artistic sound. I think a big sort of mind blowing thing, like realization for me was that if I can take what sort of lane that I've sort of found myself in and combine it with things that mean something to me with music, that means something to me that other people can't necessarily see. If there's like a sound that I'm particularly attracted to and feel like I can make, and I feel like a lot of other people may be, but probably don't have a lot of, there probably aren't that many melodic bass producers who also have a, an extreme interest in this specific type of sound and a skill set to create that specific type of sound. Well, it's sort of my duty to try to do that. So I think that that's like a really cool sort of um, compass that can sort of dictate what you do artistically when you're in a world where the options are sort of limited. That was sort of a mind blowing realization for me. Such literal gold, guys. Thank you so freaking much. Did you guys have a good time? Great oh, yeah. time. Hey, Daw Nation. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of In the Daw with Trivecta and Amity breaking down their song Riptide that was released on Monster Cat. If you found anything in this episode that was really helpful to you, that really, really resonated with you, go ahead and take a screenshot right now and tag me and Trivecta and Amity in an Instagram story and let us know what really, really helped you out this week. We'll do our best to respond to you, all right? Also, if you really like this episode, not only should you like, comment, and subscribe, but you should also check out the first three episodes of In the Daw that we did with Trivecta. And you should also check out the In The Die episode that we did with Amity as well. Now, currently, all of those episodes are living on Multiplier's YouTube channel. Eventually, we will get them over to the Donation YouTube channel, but right now, they're over there, so go ahead and check them out over there. I would also highly encourage you to check out our Behind The Daw series, which is our podcast where we focus more on the emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business side, all right? So make sure to check out the episodes from like KJ Saka, Dajan Fusky, Rogue, Echoes, and Kara. Those things are amazing. There's so much knowledge in there. You can listen to that podcast like literally anywhere. You can listen to it on uh, the Daw Nation YouTube channel where you're at right now. You can listen to it on Spotify, on iTunes, Google Play, Deezer, SoundCloud. It's literally everywhere. It's not hard to find, all right? So go ahead and go check that out. And finally, Daw Nation, if you want to take your sound design skills to a whole new level, then make sure to check out the 85 and In The Daw course, The School of Bass. It has over 20 hours of videos showing extremely unique and advanced sound design techniques that 85 and I have gathered over the last 15 years. It also includes a ridiculously huge amount of effects racks, instrument racks, and project files. And we've also included an unreal amount of bonuses, some of which include the MIDI arrangement templates of over 70 of 85 songs so that you can see exactly how he arranged all of his famous songs. We include a sound design journal template that we have loaded with over 45 different techniques. You also get access to the private Donation Facebook group, and you get a personal 20-minute music strategy session with me. The original price of this course was $497, but we ultimately decided to go the subscription route and only charge $47 
$5 per month to access literally all of our content. There's no long-term commitment. You can cancel anytime. You can be a part of the school base for one month, two months, three months, six months, a year, however long you need, however long you want. It's completely in your control. And when you're done, you're done. That's it. There's no questions asked. However, we are going to keep updating the course every month with more and more content. But if you're not much of a subscription guy, that's totally cool. We also have the lifetime access plan, which is where you pay $247 once and have lifetime access to all of our content and all of our future content for the school base. So if all of this sounds amazingly interesting to you, go ahead and head on over to courses.inthedod.net. That is courses.inthedod.net. You can see everything that is going to be included in the school base, as well as a ton of testimonials ranging from huge producers to newer producers. You know, some of those testimonials from huge producers are people like Dion Timmer, Phase One, KJ Saka, Trivecta, Slippy, you know, a bunch of guys like that. So make sure to go check that out. And if you're still on the fence about all this, you're not quite sure if it's for you, no worries at all. You can take the free version of the school base. There's a link right below this video that you can click on. It'll take you over to the free version, or you can just simply go to courses.inthedot.net and you'll find it over there. But Donation, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of In The Dot. And if you did, please let me know in the comments or by tagging me in an Instagram story at In The Dot Behind The Dot. In fact, if you want to see other people come on the show, please comment them down in the comments right now who you want to see come on In The Dot. But Donation, I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you next week on our next episode.